0: Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare and Lambda School. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com. And I'm joined today, of course, by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate (laughs) for Congress and non-naysayer of joy-related things. And Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Developer Advocate at Microsoft. How are we doing? We're good.
1: I had minor search yesterday, so I'm not oh. high right now. I was high all day yesterday. Oh I my. that
2: you're not high right now. I'm sorry you're yeah. not high right now. That sucks. Yeah. Like that would be is. an interesting
1: show. But, I mean, it yeah. would
2: be. I mean, yeah. we've we've been there when I was. So you know, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, I'm gonna get, get, gonna be honest. uh yeah. that would actually be a really fun bonus show that we should do on 420 next year.
1: I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I've seen. I saw Westworld, and I don't remember it. And I saw Billions, and I don't remember oh, no. it. So I'm gonna have to rewatch those shows. <laughs> good call. It's gonna be good. Uh,
0: all I want to do is play Donkey Kong, but it makes me too angry. So Bree, you ha- you said you had what's something Donkey Kong? Tropical Freeze on Switch.
1: Is it I great? like it. Is it. It is Of course, it's good. Is it? It was good it's when really it came good. out on
0: Wii U, and it it's was good on Wii U. And it's now it's on Switch.
1: Okay, this is heresy, but I never liked Donkey Kong or <gasps> SNES. I'm what? sorry. I'm what? sorry. What? I hate that I hate, what? That, game. I hate what? that game. I'm They're sorry. very, I'm it's
0: sorry. very difficult. Yes. I will say it's that. Difficult. Like, it, it can be, it's I am, I am what mad, mad as about? hell at it right now, frankly. What are
2: you talking about? But, like, but Donkey Kong Country, go back to this. Like, I agree with you, Simone, that the Tropical Breeze is, is, is difficult and is, like, curse worthy because I curse at it, too. But, Bree, let's go back to Donkey Kong Country for a second. That is peak. Platformer it, for the Super Nintendo. It is the last great platformer for the Super Nintendo. What are you talking about?
1: I I, I hate it. I what? I can't explain it. I don't.
2: It it gave us rare. Like okay, rare technically existed with like Star Fox and whatnot, but this the was RC like Pro rare. Am. Yeah, well, no, 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 this was rare. This was like rare b- becoming what it would become. Like, honestly, this is what made rare like the name because Donkey Kong Country was so impressive with its, with its rendering stuff. And Diddy Kong is so cute in the first game, especially <laughs> if you play the two-player mode and like Donkey Kong cradles him when they're like on the, the, the ropes and the music is good. And Donkey Kong Country 2 is arguably even better than the original. And I don't like 3 as much because I don't care for the baby. But, oh my God, Bree... No, I didn't I realize that I had lit I've the fuse on
0: I the girl. Christina barrel.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It you said be, yeah. you you said lit the fuse in the barrel. I like it. That's a <laughs> <good> Donkey Kong <laughs> reference. I appreciate it,
0: Christina. Okay. Next time you come to New York, I need you to help me beat Donkey Kong. But Brie, tell me what you're going to say.
1: I, I just don't like it. I'm sorry. Uh, I understand the graphics are breakthrough. It was the first time we really saw CG uh, converted over into sprites. And it's a beautiful game. I just personally can't get into the gameplay. So please forgive me. I'm sorry I've sinned against you, Lord Christina. So.
0: I forgive you because you let me say something nice about you,
1: too. Yeah. yeah. You I are forgive you forgiven because my I child. hope that
2: like one day you'll come, you'll come to terms with the fact that it's a really good game.
1: Okay, maybe I will try it with cheat codes and see how I feel about well, it. Well, just
2: try it again on the on the SNES Classic.
1: Yeah, yeah, with cheat codes.
2: I mean, fine, whatever. Like, I don't think you need them, <laughs> but just try it again.
1: Okay, okay. So, do you want to, like, blast uh, Elizabeth Holmes? I want to blast. Yeah. I'm going to, like, just explode if I don't, so...
2: Oh, my God. No, Yeah, let's, let's get into it, because... Wow, what a what a
0: sociopathic nightmare! Yeah, give me the updates because I I've been following like the Elon Musk juice all day, but I haven't seen the Elizabeth yes. Holmes juice. So so, 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 so,
2: yeah. so first about Elon Musk, Grimes, get your boy. That's yeah, that's that's, that's what we're gonna say about
0: it.
1: We talked about this before the show, and that's all we're gonna say about Elon this week. So, so. that's
0: all for you. <laughs> but no, what's going? What's Elizabeth Holmes? Because so she, of course, founder of Theranos. Uh, where are we with that? A book came out this week called bad
2: blood, um, by John Kerry Rue, who was the reporter at the wall street journal who broke the, you know, scandal on Theranos. And basically, you know, his reporting proved out that it's been a giant, you know, fraud. Uh, there's, there's really no other word for it. And, um, he's been doing the media rounds. Um, he was actually on Kara Swisher's uh, uh, podcast. It's a really good um, uh, interview. Uh, she did a really good interview with him. There have been some other interviews. There's some excerpts in Wired and and some other places. Um, I'm about halfway through the book. Brie I think has finished the book. It's a great read. And uh, let's just say that like we've been critical of her
1: on the show before. We were and not critical enough. No, not we were even not. nearly. Not even remotely enough. close. Yeah. Um, this book. If it doesn't result in criminal charges <sighs> against her, I'm going to be stunned.
2: No, same. Um, I mean, she's already yeah. um, under investigation from the SEC. There's already like an inquiry, um, and and but the fact that she hasn't been indicted yet honestly really bothers me because you no know, Martha Stewart did jail time.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. this is Stewart, so much worse. Martha Stewart oh.
2: went to jail for Inside. low level insider trading. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. possibly and the the amount of money that she supposedly benefited from was so small. She went to jail because she didn't want her company to be at risk, which is a real loss. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes, like this is fraud on some of the highest levels, both from defrauding investors and frankly, violating so many ethical clauses and also like criminal things like for, for putting the products that didn't work in stores that were taking people's you know, blood and, and Mm -hmm. doing tests that, not So, accurate.
1: so Sorry, I, I, I want—I just want to back up a bit and give our listeners like a little bit of background. So, uh, how did, uh, Christina, how do you say his last name, John carry you? Is that it? Carry you. So Carreyu, he, Carreyu. we, we've covered a lot of his WSJ articles over the last couple of years, kind of unveiling, uh, you know, the problems over at, uh, Theranos and, um, You know, we've been critical. And when this first came out, I was like, I I admit, I was like, well, these are very concerning allegations. Is there a double standard here because she's a a woman and she's being held to unfair standards? No, absolutely not. So he really went to bat behind the scenes at the Wall Street Journal to go and try to find people that would on the record about uh, this company basically cheating their blood tests, uh, cheating with regulators, hiding parts of the lab from regulators, uh, not having peer-reviewed science about their blood tests supposedly working. And the entire idea behind the company is that a drop of blood can be used to do all of these tests. And for me, like a technical person, I'm like, okay, we've got microcircuitry these days. We've got, you know, really good predictive models. We've got very good optical scanners. This makes sense to me that we could, like, go a step further. But when you actually know about biology, it just doesn't work for a lot of reasons, not the least of which the blood in your finger is actually some of the worst, lowest-quality blood you can get because it's going to the extremes of your body. So it's not a good site to actually get accurate blood readings. So he put out this book and it goes through the entire history of this company. And you know, Christine, I know you haven't gotten to the end yet, but it closes with him really saying some Frank words about something being deeply broken ethically in Elizabeth Holmes. And I have to completely agree, having read this book one and a half times now, she defrauded Safeway. Mm -hmm. She defrauded her investors. She defrauded uh, Walgreens. She defrauded the United States military. She defrauded um, uh, the FDA. Um, I'm sorry, what's the the regulatory agency for drugs? The Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, FDA. She defrauded them. Uh, she lied in her commercial claims about this. She did not report erroneous drug test results to patients. Eesh. Um, you go through this list and honestly, someone like you're saying, yeesh, I'm giving like a, yeah, you look the
2: nice. Cool no, I well. mean, I just, just as far as yeah. I've gotten, I mean, and I, I've known the, you know, I know, I know the basics of the story enough, even though I haven't gotten through everything. No, I mean, she's, she's terrible. And, and uh, you know, it, And it's interesting because from what I've read of the book so far, what's amazing about what John Kerry Rue does is that he could have been, he's letting the facts speak for themselves. There are a lot of things in her personal life and in her family background that could be used and you could maybe draw conclusions about some of the behaviors that she's taken on. Her father, for instance, was an executive at Enron. That was one of the things they did when they were in Houston. I think that gets one mention in the book. I don't um, remember it being mentioned at all. Uh, I, I, I looked it up in, the, in okay. the content. Is it? Is it? it yeah. It's like okay. a one thing at one point. Okay. If, and, and I have to give him tremendous credit for like not mentioning that enough because if it were me, it would be very hard for me not to draw, at least in a paragraph, some sort of you know um, connection between the type of fraud that you saw at Enron and the type of fraud that it is clear from his reporting that she that the company that she oversaw and that she was directly responsible for committed. Honestly, like when we first started, I remember even saying this when when we first talked about uh Theranos um in October of, of twenty fifteen on our show, I said this smells a lot like Enron. And yeah. it wasn't until we talked about it the second time that I realized that it that it, that it came out that her father had actually been an Enron exec. Yeah. Again, like that's not proof of anything. You shouldn't judge someone based on their fathers. I personally, though, think that that's interesting. Like the fact that that is that his reporting is much better than mine would have been because I would have tried to draw those illusions. I would have been able to help myself. He doesn't. And yeah, you know, it's all facts. It's all fact-based and the, 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 the level of the fraud and how far back it goes is truly astounding.
1: So and something I want to give him credit for in this book is when you're writing a book like this, there is a a lot of potential there to have it be kind of a, a sexist screed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is so judicious in how he describes Elizabeth Holmes' looks. Like she's a she's an attractive woman, but he talks about her eyes primarily when he's describing her. Um and he really stays very far away from the the gender yeah, politics of it. Um, you know, in the conclusion of the book, he does talk about what you're talking about, Christina, like this theory that she was corrupted by, you know, Sonny as a main character in the book. Mm-hmm. He's a, a man that's like 20 years older than her and like drives a, a Lamborghini around that says Das Capital with like a, <laughs> a kind of snide allusion to like liberals kind of in your face kind of thing. Um, you know, he doesn't really do that. He really sticks to the facts of what she was uh, thinking and doing. And yeah. the biggest the biggest thing that really gets me, like, you know, Christina, this is a subject I know a lot about because I'm married yeah. to Frank Wu. And I don't talk about Frank's company on this podcast because I don't want to, you know, like I'm running for office. I don't want to like make people, you know what I mean? I just want to keep it that, separate. Definitely. But I've had so many conversations with Frank Even before this book came out, about the ethical mistakes that they made and like what is the norm at a biotech company. And it is stunning, Christina. Mm -hmm. Like every other biotech company goes out of its way to put scientists on the executive board and put them in a position to ask questions. Every other company out there, like, empowers lawyers to speak up if the company is creating liability every Not other company it, yeah
2: every other company publishes in scientific journals and right. shows their work right. i mean this is what i mean the, the the fraud in this and this is this is the big differentiator and, and 60 minutes did, did a, a very good episode about this this week too although i had some issues with um a a, a app you know a, a 60 minutes you know online segment they did but um you know that was the, that's the thing that that separates this from your typical tech company that might overpromise under deliver is that this is people's health? This is science. This isn't you know an app. This isn't um, you know a, a a phone. This is something where you're saying you're making claims about being able to take people's blood work, do proper tests, and then it turns out not only does the machine do the machines not work, not only does it turn out that you're lying to your investors about how accurate the machines are, not only are you in some cases hiring the very companies that you are loudly like attacking and saying that they don't do a good job to actually do the blood test because your machines can't do it. In some cases, you're letting these faulty machines do blood testing, which is giving faulty results and sending that information to patients and charging for it. <sighs> yeah. That is criminal. That is criminal. Uh, wh- whatever else you want to say about like any of the financial crimes, that to me goes into like a, like I, I-, I just can't understand it. I want to say one thing about the sexism because I feel like something that hasn't had enough attention Um, And probably because people are afraid to, and I agree with you about his characterizations of her have been very fair and more fair, frankly, than I think they deserve to be. Yeah. Is that, and this is why she bothers me so much. And this is why I've been so angry about her this whole time we've been talking about it. She got an undue amount of press and funding and attention because she was a blonde haired, blue eyed woman. Mm -hmm. Let's be very clear. Yeah. Yeah. People cared about Theranos and people paid attention to Theranos because she was going to be the female Steve Jobs. And female is a very important thing here. I'm going to be honest and say I don't think that if it was a male founder and a male-facing front figure of this company, that this company would have been able to achieve this sort of fraud that it achieved, would have been able to raise the sort of money that it raised, or would have had
0: anywhere near the press attention that it had. Yeah. People and had a sort of ignorance or a would, blind spot, as it were. Uh, I, 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 would, spot, I would go beyond they, that. I would, yeah. say so. I would say that yeah.
2: they actively wanted to have this female narrative because they wanted to have that for whatever reason, you know, because it would look good, look like they're finally being inclusive, et cetera, et cetera. She fit the mold. She told a great story and no one was willing to question the story. And what bothers me and look. We never covered Theranos at Mashable. It wasn't a company. I mean, they might have been on some of our lists of, of, you know, that the other people, not me, wrote about, you know, like founders to watch or whatever, but it, it was biotech. It wasn't something we cared about. Yeah. That said... There were a lot of com- a lot of tech publications that did, and there were a lot of non-tech tech publications that did. You know, the New Yorker profile is what originally Kerry Kerry has said, kind of gleaned his attention because he read this profile, wasn't particularly impressed, and then he ended up getting this anonymous tip that that yeah. led him on, on on the saga of uncovering everything.
1: And sixty Actually, minutes. Can I go back to something you were saying? Yeah. Before we move from that, of course, I I want to go a step further from what you're saying. It it's. It's so much worse than her just being like a blonde, blue-eyed woman. If you read the entire book, she went out of her way to find older conservative men yep. and to make them kind of daddy figures in her life and in multiple cases weaponized their families against her, yeah. ag- against them. And one of the most disturbing points of this book Uh, George Schultz, uh, former Secretary of State, um, you know, he is brought onto the board. Elizabeth kind of makes him like a father figure in her life. She milks a lot of his connections to get her first WSJ piece. And uh, his grandson comes and works there. As horrified by the things that are going on at the company and tries to whistleblow and tries everything. Elizabeth Holmes actually destroys their relationship to the point where he is disowned throughout the whole book. She did this to the Safeway CEO and she does it to multiple men throughout this book. Now, I want to say really clearly, I think in engineering, I've absolutely seen some women that happen to be gorgeous that don't get given a fair shake at work. That is absolutely a thing in tech. Uh, Christina, you're gorgeous. I have seen guys not take you seriously on Twitter because of your looks. That is absolutely a thing. And I'm not somebody that's like, you know, like generally speaking, I support other women, but it offends me on such a deep level to see her weaponizing it in this way. In a, a way that literally put lives in danger. Do you know what yes. I mean? No,
2: mm-hmm. I, I, I without a doubt uh, agree. And, and I would also say uh, before I make my, my very quick point about the media stuff, what bothers me the most about this is that as women, we have to fight twice as hard yeah. to get attention. And when you have the most high profile, the first you know self-made female billionaire be a fraud, that is a signal Not to invest in any of us and not to give any of us a shot. It Mm. hurts everyone, and that's ultimately what makes me so angry. But to go back to the media point for a second, you know, people gave her attention because of the story. And one of the things that bothers me is, like I said, you know, Mashable we didn't cover it, but I would, I have to be honest and say that if I had, if I'd been looking at her startup, I don't know how many questions I would have asked. You know, if I was doing something, which is, which is something that after. Carrie Rue's first report. I started thinking about a lot myself as a journalist, and started thinking, "Am, am I asking enough questions? Am I being skeptical enough? Um, how how much of this, you know, like I, I'm not in PR for these companies. How much, you know, how many questions am I really asking? But what bothers me is that it took Carrie Rue, who is an investigative reporter and had done a lot of medical things and previously done like a really big Medicaid um, story for um, or Medicare story for um, uh, the Wall Street Journal. It took him, not a tech reporter, to get this story. It took somebody who was an outsider and instead the, the the tech press as it were, or the mainstream press completely didn't question anything because the story was so good. And in my opinion, like like the the, the 60 minutes kind of had this kind of mealy mouthed kind of, because they had to confront the fact that Nora O'Donnell, who did the, the 60 minutes segment that aired on Sunday, had a very fawning interview with Holmes oh. um, a, a few months before the Wall Street Journal's first story came out. And they were pretty defensive on it, and they were pretty much saying, oh, well, all, this proves that journalism does work, and she lied to our faces, and this and that, and and they're right. She did, but they also didn't ask the serious questions, and they also didn't bother to go to anyone else in the, the biotech industry and say, is what she's claiming possible? Mm-hmm. Is whats is what they're saying, does this make sense? They didn't there was corroborate. Absolute, there, there, there was no incredulity. There, 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 there was no credulity, rather whatsoever. Everything was taken at face value. And I I think it's because the story was so good that no one wanted to be critical. And that's a huge problem. And I think that when it's one thing to be overly credulous, when um, you are covering consumer tech, it's annoying, but it it is what it is. But when we're talking things that affect people's lives,
0: things that are related
2: to healthcare, yeah, it's inconscionable for Reporters of, of any you know uh, stripe, but I'm a th- I'm a s- especially going to call out the the, the tech reporters for n- not being more on their game, mm-hmm. and and uh,
0: I, it just, I, I so just, yeah, it's just I so you definitely recommend the book Bad Blood <laughs> by John Carreyou.
1: Before I know we want to move on. The other topics will be more quick on. I I do have a little bit more yeah, to sure. say uh, on yes, this. Please. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I mean. So, I mean, there's so much about this that upsets me, but like, you know, Christina, I'm, I'm running for Congress this year, right? Something I think about a lot is having to potentially vote to put people in harm's way in a war zone, right? Like that's something I really think about a lot because I had friends that died in Iraq and friends that died in Iraq it because they were not able to get the equipment that they really needed, like up armor, Humvees, you know, body armor, things like that that were not provided to them in that war. There are so many things in this book that are horrifying, like thinking about people that, there's one example of someone that got like a bad blood test back, and they were afraid they had a really serious disease, and they went and had to have a battery of tests and up, utterly uprooted their lives. That's bad, but what really gets me about this the story, more than anything else, is her willingness to defraud the United States military. Yes. So there's a really long chapter in the book about her efforts to basically take advantage of the Pentagon's very realistic um, desire, very reasonable desire, to have a fast way to test soldiers on the battlefield for uh, being subjected to basically chemical weapons, and you have a four-star general that really puts it all on the line to try to get uh, basically their technology in Humvees in Iraq. And you have Elizabeth Holmes saying they're literally lying, according to the book, to the people in charge of the military. They're sitting there trying to basically um, you know, make sure the stuff that she's making is actually going to work. And that… There's so much stuff in this book that's evil, but I I really can't even wrap my mind around that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's no, one yeah, thing you're to right. billions of dollars, but, like, people that are going to, like, sign on the line and serve their country, and you're going to, like, give them fake hope for, like, detecting chemical weapons are going to profiteer from it when you know your technology is bad— it's just I mean it's mm-hmm. that's it's near treason. Yeah. And it's it's why when I'm reading this book I'm asking myself like how can we make sure this never happens again? I I really mean this. If charges are not brought against her for some of the things that this book is alleging, it's worth taking a second here and noting the book is not a court case like a a, a criminal Absolutely. standard of guilt is a very different thing. And I wanted to have her day in court and she should have a, a, a good defense for it. But I think it's so incredibly vital for the United States, for the venture capital community, for the biotech industry that we have her brought up on criminal charges for this stuff. Because if you don't, It signals to everyone else out there that they don't have to get their science right, that they don't have to tell the truth in their marketing, that they just need to do whatever it takes to get companies to sign the bottom line so everyone has their big fat stock bonus. Mm -hmm.
0: This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Skillshare, which is an online learning community with over 20,000 classes in technology, design, business, and more. A Skillshare premium membership gives you unlimited access to high-quality classes, leaving you free to master must-know topics. So it's a great way to improve your skills uh, and help you get better at doing the work that you love. So some of the examples of classes that you can take are... oh understanding web development. You can learn the basics of putting together a web project and get the skills that you need to explore a career in web development or if that's, say, an aspect of your career now, like you have to work with web developers um, or just something you're curious about, that's super good, crucial information to have. Another class that they have is in creative nonfiction, which which could help you write a book like... Bad Blood by John Kerry, yes. for example, <laughs> writing compelling nonfiction that isn't dry but that is still true and presented fairly, that's that's definitely a skill and uh, they have a class on that as well. So you can join millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for Rocket listeners. That is that you can get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. Yes, 99 cents. The cost of of what what a song used to be back when people spent money on single songs. 99 cents. To sign up, you go to Skillshare.com slash Rocket. That is S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E dot com slash Rocket. And there you get two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes of which I have only mentioned two, for only 99 cents. Head there today and start learning, my friends. Thank you so much, Skillshare, for sponsoring this episode of Rocket. Yay. Awesome. Big day. Learn. God, I like hearing you both burn it all down. Just I'm then. sorry. I'm so passionate.
2: No, you got to read the book. Yeah. you got to read the book, Simone. It's yeah. so good. i got an finish. information bonus. It
1: it's very rare I finish a book and just start reading it all over again. Yeah. Like, and I did, so...
0: Well, I'm definitely putting a link. I'll put a link to Amazon in our show notes there for anyone who wants to check that book out. So continuing kind of on the topic of just like terrible things, <laughs> uh, what? let's talk about a couple of security flaws. Uh, so in, in our what is becoming our near weekly roundup of horrible security flaws, uh, should we address the really, really terrible one first?
1: Which, Which one? one is worse? <laughs> I
0: mean, okay, both. I was thinking the one with the routers was the one yeah, that scared me the most. I was kind of agree. That's I think, really I think bad. that's, yeah, All that is. Right. So Cisco announced that they have discovered a vulnerability that affects over 500,000. Uh, consumer routers. Uh, it's a malware that can be used to collect communications, uh, could potentially destroy the devices should the, the hackers wish to, and can also launch attacks on others. And it affects basically... It, it could potentially affect basically any consumer router that you might have, such as Netgear, Linksys, uh, TP-Link, etc. Cisco is, of course, the one who discovered it. So this is... Quite a a massive vulnerability that I believe they don't know if it has been – no, yes, and it it has been deployed by a high-tech country, they are saying. Um, And they've seen that vulnerability exploited in Ukraine just this week.
1: So. Interesting. What country could that be, Simone? That's so... Yeah, Yeah,
0: I wonder. Interestingly, Russia's name comes up in the Ars Technica article, and they uh, they did say that it is similar to uh, a malware that has been used by Russia, which was called uh, Black Energy, but that because... That malware is is not exclusive to them anymore. It could have been adapted and taken over by another country. That being said, to jump to conclusions, the it's certainly not to point fingers, but come on, it sounds. But okay, I sound like I sound like Alex Jones right now, so I'm gonna stop. (laughs)
1: But (laughs) (laughs) I would love. To see an episode of Rocket where you just go full Alec Jones on the Oh my everything. god, that would be amazing. That would be so good. that would be great. Or <laughs> turning oh the freaking frogs gay. I would love to see you do that. Tonight. Well, I
0: am turning the frogs gay, Brie. But <laughs> yeah, okay. That's a so th- this is terrifying for many reasons, but for me, uh the most nerve-wracking part of it was the part that I initially sort of discarded, which was that the uh, the routers could just be killed remotely i was like okay well that so the, the the malware can survive a reboot but if the router's killed you just get a new router it's fine and then the article took care to point out that mm, this means that uh, a malicious actor could kill internet for a swath of people yep. essentially creating a dark zone and that that's not good that's very bad. That's a terrifying prospect.
2: Yeah, Everything, yeah, no, everything about this is bad. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. say that that's bad. The fact that, um, you know, like you say that it can it can survive reboots. The fact that most people's routers don't get updates mm-hmm. because most people don't know how or they get it from their ISP or whatever. This is just bad news bears. Like you think you can at least trust your router?
0: Yeah, it's such a. Because you don't interact with it necessarily. You just turn you plug it in, you turn it on. You occasionally turn it upside down to find out the password if you're in a person's house who hasn't reset their router password, <laughs> which you
1: should <laughs> which you do. should
0: do. No one who listens yeah, to the show absolutely. ever has to turn their router upside down to see their password. <laughs> also, I'm gonna go one step further and say,
2: Then unless Comcast does the terrible thing they do, which is to try to prevent certain services from being accessible unless you use their router, and even then, I think you might be able to call and get around it. You don't don't pay to rent the cable company's router. Nope. Buy your own.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a fool's paradise if you do
0: that. What makes that What makes that so different?
1: Because it's a ripoff. It's a terrible deal to pay $10 a month to get oh, something. Oh, okay.
0: So that doesn't yeah. have it. That's not connected to the... Well, not only that. Well, it
2: could be because it's two things. One, it's like a ripoff, like Bree said. Two, the technology is usually older, so you might be getting slower things yep. than you might normally. Uh, three, I don't really have a lot of faith that most cable companies do a great job updating the firmware on the routers nope. that they install. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. Uh, I would trust uh, Cablevision, uh, also known as Optimum, which is now owned by a French company who I had in, when I was in Brooklyn. Best ISP I've ever had in my life. No, they're not paying me to say that, but yes, I do miss them every day um, <laughs> because they were awesome and had good customer service and were actually really, like, technical. But they also didn't have any problem with me using my own router or modem mm-hmm. at all. Like, at all. They were like, they they. it was cheaper for me to still have one as part of our deal. But when I turned in my stuff, they were like, "Oh no, we showed this other modem checked." I'm like, "Yeah, no, that's mine." And they had to go back through their system and like realize, "Oh yeah, you're right. You never plugged ours in." I was like, "Nope, never turned oh, it on." That's fine. Um, so yeah, uh, but but other than that, I mean, I, I and that's going to be the next thing that eventually happens, right? Is that somebody's going to hack however many, whatever routers that the Comcast or whoever puts in millions of homes.
1: Mm -hmm. I think this is, and just to say quickly, like, you know, if you're out there turning off remote uh, administration of your router, that's something you should absolutely do. Like everyone out there should turn that off. But to me, this is another example why it's so disappointing that Apple got out of the router game. Yeah. uh, Because like Eero, they advertise on the show. I think it's a great product. I love them. I trust them on security. But the thing is, like when you buy a MacBook, like ideally you want to have like an end-to-end experience of knowing mm. that your stuff is safe. And because the router is such an obvious vector of attack, there, yeah, you know, like, your browser can still hide where you're going to a certain extent, and you know encryption can hide it to a certain extent. But this is, I mean, it's as you said, Simone. Like it can nuke your internet access. It can spy on a lot of things you do if they're not encrypted. This is just a real vulnerability here.
0: And um,
1: it's it, this is disastrous.
0: And there is another vulnerability that was discovered by Google and Microsoft, which is similar to the Spectre vulnerability that we saw last year. Uh, and this one, quote unquote, affects uh, it exploits speculative execution in CPUs. And there's an update that has been issued for it. They've been tracking it for a while. Uh, the update apparently considerably slows down cpu performance but i would like to return back to speculative execution and get a a a layman's explanation from one of you (laughs) fabulous people because i I did watch a red hat video explaining it but i feel like i did i feel like our show could also benefit from an explanation of what's that thing
1: So you've got different rings of uh, computing, you've got ring uh, zero, you've got ring four. Speculative computing is basically, it's uh, once the page table, is split in two it's going to kind of guess where okay layman's terms sorry um (laughs) it is something that helps server farms calculate things faster because it's guessing what you're going to do next so it doesn't slow down single use computers as much as like server farm operations so an individual computer is going to be less affected by this but like Cloud and server architecture is going to be heavily hit by this.
0: OK, so basically it's kind of assuming what action the machine will need to be doing next? Yes. And then uh, the malware can infiltrate that and pass bad information to the machine?
1: It can exactly. read bad information. Oh. Or is it, well, I didn't, it, am I missing that? Is this no, able I to either. write it? No, it's read, read it's the information. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. OK,
0: freaking terrible. <laughs> and for me, for me, like when I hear or when I read that headline that's, um, that says they have their CPU flaw, the fix can slow machines down. I'm like, oh well, that's too bad. Is it really that big a deal that it slows it down with like two to eight percent? Yeah, it can be. Because, yeah, because okay, so think I guess about it, it depends for what second. you're doing. Well. You know, for regular stuff,
2: for what you're doing, maybe not. But for the, the the bigger issue is, okay, so now you're you're doing cloud stuff. So you're, you know, you're doing like cloud computing. And uh, you've, uh, you're running CPU, you know, you're paying to, to use CPU time to get certain things done. And now it's going to take more time and more power to do the same process that used to cost less. Yeah. So that's, that's crappy.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, okay. think about every year when Apple brings out the latest MacBook, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're looking at an upgrade of anywhere like, just generally speaking, like five, eight, two, three percent. Like this is like a year of upgrading, maybe two years of upgrading. So this is, you know, this is, this is non-trivial. This is a serious hit. Uh, That's but, a good way to put it in perspective. I mean, but it's it's got to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would love to know, Christina, is do you think that Intel and these chip companies are opening themselves up to liability because they are certainly advertising like this is better, but this is an architecture flaw that started. My God, what year did we split the page tables? Was it back in two thousand and one? Like it's been a really long time.
2: No, I mean, well, the fact is, is that you know the uh, you know uh, meltdown or whatever. You know, they're saying, oh, well, this is only uh, going to impact um, what should we call it? Um, Intel. Intel yeah but this yeah. is impacting AMD and ARM and and hmm. and so nobody's immune to this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that absolutely. I mean, I I mentioned this when we talked about Spectre Meltdown a few months back. I, I said, you know, <laughs> the real thing is going to be who pays for this. Because again, obviously, you know, consumers I think they are less the 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 issue than than uh regular people, but or not regular people uh, are less the issue than say uh, you know, like enterprise or people who are doing server stuff. I think that's really where you're going to see the most kind of damage to this. Uh, but um, those are also the people that, that tend to pay a lot. But you can see consumers charging a lot of money. You can see or, or, be, or wanting to file lawsuits. Either. You can see enterprises. You can see cloud businesses. Yeah, I think that that AMD and, and Intel, but especially, you know, ARM, but, but especially Intel are absolutely going to potentially be facing um, liability lawsuits on
1: that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they're going to win. I mean, you know, this is—it's a deep flaw in the architecture, and it's been adopted by the industry. Yeah,
2: and then the problem is—is that it's like this is one of those things that it is going to take a very, very long time to fix because, again, it's not just a matter of replacing all your consumer machines, all your enterprise machines. You're now talking about all the servers running all over the world and all the cloud machines that are using older architecture that have to be replaced, and plenty of systems won't. And so it's going to have to be a matter of them hopefully getting patched um, then being slower and people being mad about the being slower and then having to wait um, until the refresh cycle takes place before they can actively uh, finally get whatever they've been paying for.
1: Yeah. I do want to say like update your machines, even oh, if yes. it's going to yes. be a performance yes. 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 hit, you yes. got to take this seriously. Like, like you really do. So this episode
0: of rocket is brought to you by Lambda school more learning, my friends. A lot of us can relate to wanting to become an expert in a field that we're passionate about. Hmm, I certainly can relate to that. If you found yourself thinking, oh yeah, that thing. I've always wanted to learn about that thing. Lambda School is for you. That means uh, you're someone who knows that they have the capability to dive into a new area of expertise, act on that impulse to learn, and yeah, become an expert, develop a base of knowledge. If that thing that you've always wanted to learn is software engineering, you are super duper going to want to listen to what I'm going to uh, tell you. Lambda School is offering a free two-week course in iOS development. It is taught by experienced instructors who've trained hundreds of iOS engineers. So these are people who have worked on Apple's Everyone Can Code program with schools and businesses all around the world. The course is two weeks. It is totally free, and it is your first step into the iOS development world. So if you haven't heard of Lambda School, they train people to be software engineers at no upfront cost. Instead of paying tuition, students agree to pay a percentage of their income after they're employed and only if oh. they're making more than $50,000 a year. Oh. And, yeah. And if the student doesn't find a job or doesn't reach that level of income, they don't pay.
1: Oh, wow. that's awesome. I like this idea. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah.
0: And so if you know anyone who wants to get into iOS development, they can try that a free, no-obligation, two-week 101 course. Boom. It's there. You have knowledge. So it runs for two weeks, Monday through Thursday. It offers live instruction, uh, the opportunity to do practice problems with people who are on hand to answer your questions. There will be small group discussions. There will be an overview of Swift Xcode and UI kit. Boom. So you can check that out, learn more about it by going to lambdaschool.com slash rocket right now and get started. That is L-A-M-B-D-A school, dot com slash rocket. Thanks so much, Lambda School, for your support of this show and for giving our listeners a chance to step into a successful iOS development career.
1: Yeah, I would really say like uh, a formal computer science background, it's definitely useful. Like learning how to learn new languages is definitely useful. But like, unlike my husband's field of biotech, like computer science really is a job where you can be self-taught and have a serious career. So not everyone learns this way. Like it takes a lot of initiative, but I would certainly, I, I would recommend to anyone to give that a try. Like, mm-hmm. uh, documentation is so much better today than it was in the 90s. Like, you have no idea how much better it is. <laughs> I don't. I don't know.
0: And yeah, that's super, because I, I feel like rudimentary coding is something that anyone, like, has a chance to get their hands on and see if it's for them. And hopefully Absolutely. your brains are wired that way and you will have fun with it. But, like, that's that's a super good chance to be able to do that and not just be doing it from, like, a... a a script or whatever but to actually be have a person on hand which is yeah the thing that helps me most when i'm learning is talking to human beings oh so how about this the washington post talked to a panel of uh, 100 security experts and asked them whether state election systems were ready to be protected against cyber threats such as the ones that we saw during the infamous 2016 election which went so well for everyone so are we are we ready to go through this again in 2018 2019 95 of the 100 security experts said no we're not ready to do that we're still we're largely at risk for foreign foreign meddling in our elections But it's even
1: worse than that, Simone. Like they held a, um, you know, they basically had a cybersecurity meeting, official briefing of this. They scheduled it. They invited members of the House to come, and no one came. Just about what was the number? Was it twenty? Was it forty? I forget. But nine out of four hundred.
0: Oh, wait. Yeah, Yeah, 9 out of 10 lawmakers. 9 out of 10 people
1: did not show up.
0: I thought I was wrong about that number, but I'm not wrong.
1: (laughs) 9 out of 10 lawmakers did not show up to talk about cybersecurity and foreign meddling. And here's the problem. Now that Russia knows this playbook works, everyone is going to be trying this against us because there's no penalty for Mm it.
0: And against so, each other. Because we're just like, oh, no, we're still going to be friends. Oh. We're still- <sighs> well, here's no, the thing. Right. Is that the yeah. meeting was at 8 o'clock in the morning?
1: Yeah. So, I'd show up at 8 o'clock for that meeting, Simone. Yeah, no I joke. I no
2: joke. If I have to show up at 8 o'clock AM meetings, and I do sometimes, sometimes I have to be on the phone with people who live in Australia. You know what time that means I have to be awake for them? Ew. Four? Four? Yeah. Ew. Oh, No. No, they're like they're like 18 hours ahead. It's it's so it's usually the afternoon. But sometimes China. Okay, that's actually a better one. So be people in China. And that means I have to be up at like three o'clock in the morning. So yeah. Make the 8 a.m. It's not it's, we don't like no one likes being up early.
1: This really is the equivalent of you you think about Pearl Harbor and like the the not even that, but you think about Hiroshima, right? You think about the race for nuclear weapons and you think of like there was a clear danger that that was going to be developed and you had scientists on both sides like rushing to develop that this is like we know this is like a bomb has gone off and we still don't care and congress <sighs> yep. still won't do their job and no totally is, totally
0: they're like eh, it, i mean it wasn't that bad it was just you know democracy well, The articles implying that on. part of the the problem is that the White House will not acknowledge that there was a problem and therefore it is dangerous for lawmakers to acknowledge that there's a problem, which makes me want to rip my face off.
2: yeah. sorry. we're supposed to have like uh you know three divi- three divisions in government, yeah, like well, you know mm, John Bolton of Powers is supposed to be a thing, guys.
1: yeah. Absolutely, and you know John Bolton has rolled back the uh, cybersecurity uh, yes. point of the Homeland Security. So this is just—it's absolutely indefensible, and it's another thing that's terrible right now. Yeah, no one. No, it yeah.
2: is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and just and just. I mean, I don't want to get political here, but you know, meanwhile we have the president who's using an unpatched, an unsecure phone half sure. the time because it's too much of a hassle for him to have a different phone swapped out for him to use his Twitter.
0: Like, yeah why
1: we need to to close on something positive Simone tell me something awesome that happened to you this week like Uh, give me faith in humanity again god
0: let me try to think of something what happened I finished season four of Peaky Blinders and (laughs) Adrian Brody's voice he is Mm. in season four his voice is so deep and so raspy and so beautiful That, uh, for lack of uh, I, can can, can I say something filthy? Yeah. His voice is so deep and so raspy and so vibrato that you could just like sit on your TV and that would sit on your TV speakers (laughs) and that'll do the job for you. Like that was enough. Okay. Oh my god! It was a good time. I did not sit on my TV. Uh, I was going to
1: say, Crockett. (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey! <gasps> so that's your good news for me. <laughs>
1: have, okay, I have to ask about the V. Have you watched a gretzuko on Netflix? No, I
0: haven't. I want to. It is so
1: good. Do you know about this, Christina? No, I don't. Okay, okay. So I want you to imagine Hello Kitty. It's made by Sanrio. It's Hello Kitty, ex- except it's a it's a it's a, a very young woman who is treated like dirt at work. And works in an utterly sexist environment, and she does nothing but scream death metal after work. It's about the deep rage inside of her as she's trying to navigate her career and putting up with BS. And it is freaking amazing. It is a great show.
0: It is on Netflix. Also, I'm, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna uh, check that out. That
2: it sounds so funny really
0: good. It is so funny. I absolutely uh. need to watch it. Um, should we talk about what we're doing this week besides Christina watching a Gretzko and me probably watching a Gretzko? Cause I need to Bree, What are you doing this week?
1: Uh, I'm recovering from my minor surgery. Yeah. Uh, we're holding a fundraiser. We're about to have one down in, um, uh, Martha's vineyard, which I'm very excited about. That's going to be a really, uh, very posh. Uh, and uh, we're doing campaign events. Uh, we've also hired two new people into my campaign this week, which I'm really happy about. So Nice. Bleh,
0: bleh, bleh, I just forgot your name. Christina, <laughs> what are you doing this week?
2: Oh, I'm still recovering from the Taylor Swift concert, which, oh, yeah. again, was like the best thing that, that's happened to me. Like... This week, anyway. No, it's really, really, really good. It's really good. Um, yeah, uh, doing some stuff with work. Um, gonna, you know, get some, some videos made, looking at some content plans for the future, figuring out
0: how long I'll be in London. I'll be there in like two and a half weeks. I'm so and excited for you to be in London. Very really excited, too. Oh, and E3, WWDC and E3 are both coming up. We are gonna have a busy
1: June. Oh, can I give listeners an update on this? Yeah. So one of the consequences of Apple moving WWDC from, uh, from San Francisco to San Jose is I know 9 million places in San Francisco for us to record Rocket Live. And we had uh, planned on working with AltConf. Uh, because of complications, I want to just leave between AltConf and us And the exorbitant cost of doing things in San Francisco, we are still, we could still have it. We're gonna find out very soon. It's possible that we won't, but we will tell you next week on the show. I still will be out there no matter what. Uh, I'm gonna hold a campaign event out there. And if you're a rocket listener and you would like to uh, either come or lend us your venue, like please get in touch with me on Twitter. But we are, it's it's weird because San Jose just has a lot less space for this stuff. So the lesson that we've learned is so we next year yes. we lock it down in August. <laughs> like now we, since know. W- now we know over, we lock it down. So we and, and
2: absolutely and, and if we are doing a live show, I will commit to coming to San Francisco for that. Otherwise, I, I'm not gonna do it. But if we're gonna do a live show, I will I will definitely we'll find a way to be out. in San Jose. Exactly. We'll
1: figure it out. So Cool. There
0: it uh, is. Did we already? Uh, each of us. We no. I didn't go. God. You go. What no, are you what, saying? what am I doing? I'm finishing up uh the first episode of my new show that's launching next week, which is all about game mechanics, uh we oh, will definitely called. talk about it. Oh. it. It doesn't have a name yet. Um, I don't think we're gonna technically name it. Such as it should just be called were. Simone Show. Simone Show. Perfect. Yeah, Perfect Simone branding. Show. Very SEO friendly. Um. Other than that, I'm just gearing up for E3, and I'm very, very excited um, for for summer for summer to be here. Need so much pizza. That's it. Okay, cool. Uh, where can we find you online, Brie?
1: How about the name Dirty Simone Show?
0: It's uh, going to be very start- clean, actually. It's going to be a clean, clean show. Clean, clean shows Simone. only.
1: Okay. Uh- yeah, I don't know. I guess you can like send your best show title to Simone at oh, please do on, on the Twitter machine.
0: And I'll tell you nothing more about the show. Just just send me show titles and I'll, I'll make up shows that fit for them. <laughs> there you
1: go. There you go.
2: I still think hashtag Simone show is the winner.
1: Simone show is good.
2: It's alliterative. And honestly, that way you can like own the SEO around Simone. That's going to be my late
0: night show, though, when I, like, go to NBC or something.
1: Is there even another famous Simone? I don't uh, think there's so. There's Raven
0: no. Simone. Uh, there's Simone de no, Beauvoir. Simone Biles. Oh, Simone Biles. She actually definitely owns the Simone SEO. She's very good. She's the first one who comes up. but I. So
2: so what I see when I Google Simone is the movie Simone, which is terrible. Like, truly awful. Like, truly terrible. Awful.
0: Uh, like bad. See, Simone Biles like, has a Wikipedia page and I don't. Also, she's incredibly talented and beautiful. And well, okay, but but like honestly, um, this is
2: a, a shout out to our readers because we can't create one for Simone because that would be a conflict of interest and the wiki yeah. editors mad. So um readers, uh please create a Wikipedia page for Simone De Rochefort. Wouldn't yeah. it be yeah, an,
0: external or it. an external conflict? Uh a conflict for them too? No.
1: No, 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 no. They if can do it. they're experts in the subject, they listen to it every week. That's, That's fair. utterly legitimate. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And and I'm not saying you have to, or or you know, like whatever. I'm just not saying, saying that would you be nice. should at
0: all. I'm just saying it would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice if I had a page, Christina? Where can we find you online?
2: You can Find me at film underscore girl on the twitters, the instagrams, etc. Uh My uh, it got out of order because there was no. Cell service in oh, the stadium, no. but I did put my entire IG story of the Taylor <laughs> Swift concert on Instagram like as a highlight. So oh, if you want to relive the best moments, you can do that. And including seeing the the girl who cosplayed as Taylor Swift and the, like the four and a half year old girl who was also on the other side of us, who is very cute. Oh. Uh, she Her mom had like um, earmuffs, like, you know, like, like ear protectors or whatever for her <laughs> because it was so loud. And also she was like four years old and in $500 concert seats, which... Yeah, I know. rich people like can't. I I, I was going to say, apparently it was her first concert. She was very excited. Uh, Not as excited as the seven-year-old behind us who knew every word to every song and was screaming her head off. And it was adorable to see. But also amusing when Taylor Swift is singing the song Dress, which is like one of the lines is, you know, I only bought this so you could take it off. And the little girl (laughs) is like screaming every single word. And I'm like, Wow love everything about this it like brought me back to being that age well younger than that uh like you know very little and singing um sheep off by by cindy lopper and not knowing until i was much much older that this song i love so much was about female masturbation mm-hmm.
1: fun fact Fun fact. <laughs> the more you <laughs> learn when you think yeah, back well, on your that's childhood. Where, songs. That's where your whole life went wrong, Christina. <laughs> Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper. Uh, honestly, so she's so cool. unusual.
2: Yeah. She's so unusual. One of the most like influential albums of my entire life. Like came out the year I was born. I love it. Anyway, but yeah, but you can find me at film underscore
0: girl. Tweet me about your favorite Cindy Lauper song. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. And Brie, what about you?
1: Uh, I think I already said that. Did uh, you? Oh,
0: yeah. Space Gal. <laughs> K- K- yeah. That's who you are. What? Yeah. All right. And if you want to yeah. review the show, you can do that at Apple Podcasts. And we, of course, super appreciate it when you do. This episode of Rocket is Terminated. 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 <gasps> terminated.